covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Welcome, everyone, and welcoming on fans of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast. You might have gotten the hint off that clip, obviously, as uh, I'm going to quote a famous song from Appetite of Destruction from Guns N' Roses. Welcome to the jungle on this episode of the show, continuing our team preview series. As you can see, Orlando is on the docket. The Predators are on the docket today, and I'm going to bring in my co-host, as always, here, my good buddy, my good pal, my partner in crime, you name it. He is the man in the other side on the, in his own separate section of the U.S. It is Jim Murnier joining me in, as it is episode episode 88 of the of the inside the walls podcast and as again i will say welcome to the jungle the predators are on the docket jim how you doing today we're continuing on with the series the season ever so closer now we're within the 30-day limit we are under a month away from nal action we are three weeks away when this uh, no four weeks away we got orlando Clareline next week Mm-hmm. Albany. Then after that, we have yeah. Wow, we're we're yeah. here. We're, we're we're right there again, man. It's right oh, there. We are there. Oh uh, yes, uh, season is finally here. It's getting closer. Uh, today we're talking uh, Orlando Predators action. And first off, uh, there is some news that we need to talk about, ladies here, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Is that my co-host uh, upgrading his career? From 900 miles from Jacksonville, eventually it's going to be 1,400 miles from Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah. As, um, if, it, if it hasn't been a secret yet, I'm out. I'm heading out down to uh, Arizona for a job promotion. So, uh, uprooting myself and moving on. This is actually the last episode I'm recording in my old studio here in Indianapolis. So I will be switching gears to the new place out there. Uh, in phoenix or at least chandler to be more specific but yeah yeah i'm kind of excited for that man next week's episode might look a little weird if I, my setup's not ready but trust me it'll it'll be better to get on than to miss a show with you my friend so yeah well, fun times ahead well it's arizona which the scheduling purposes will be unique but still congratulations again of working with a major brand of a tv network called fox um it's pretty exciting that's their headquarters right in phoenix is that the headquarters uh yeah well it's it's their distribution center for television so that's i'll be basically helping make sure that any of fox's uh prime time cable you know some of their uh special reports you see in the afternoon uh you know we're talking like tubi they we handle their streaming channels on that service all that stuff i'm helping operate so I'm looking forward to checking that out. Uh, network television, it's the next step for me uh, in my career. So that alone is also pretty big next choice to do. Well, well then, again, congratulations on your your advancement in your career. Um, I, I've known other people from other shows I've reached out to, you, especially your Facebook comments or posts. Uh, I saw that you almost got over like 8,000 freaking impressions <laughs> on it. I'm like... Zach is very popular, and hey, you're well, moving up in the world, my friend. So well, I appreciate all the I appreciate all the good vibes from people. That, that's certainly something I haven't gotten to say yet until this episode. Is that absolutely is going to be much appreciated? And again, I can't thank people enough. Um, I will say that, um, and I'm happy to say this right now, and I'm going to say this until for some reason it changes. Still on this show, still on USFL podcast. I ain't going away from those unless things were to happen to change so status quo is still staying again 
just got to figure out the scheduling because as you know three hour difference right now but fun fact for all of you out there uh arizona does not change during daylight savings time so uh part of the year it's a three hour difference from the east coast part of the year it's two hours but the time always stays the same in the state only them in hawaii don't uh follow the changes in hour during the year well here's a fun fact i think the people in arizona may agree with the people in orlando where it's time to you know, change the clocks from time to time to redo a <laughs> new, uh, especially with this year's version of the Orlando Predators. As everyone remembers, last season, the Predators were a team that got off to a somewhat of an okay start. Injuries hit, and then the season just disintegrated after that. Oh, yeah. Um, it was a disappointing year for Orlando, and like many many teams in the arena football uh, in the arena football era, sometimes you can be elite, and then the next year you can be inept. And that was the Orlando Predators from two years ago. Two years ago they made the playoffs, mm-hmm. and then next year they were not there. And one thing we've noticed about the Orlando Predators this year or this offseason, is their mission to getting players back that were either, A, major contributors last season or last few seasons. There are some players coming back and some big names coming back that some Orlando Predators fans will recognize. But to start off this show, Zach, what in your what's your opinion that the Orlando Predators need to do this year to erase what last year was? Well, last year, so early on in the season when they had Rakeem Cato and company, you know, I, I felt offensively they just they were very, very much uh, either you're on or off, hot and cold. Uh, the I can use inconsistent as a blanket term, but I, I think hot and cold kind of was more the thing. You, you know, you'd see games where, like, they would be – they'd put up easily 28 and a half, with, like 28 and just one half without any question, but then next half they would just completely – bottom out you know stuff would just get figured out things would not stay on track you know you wouldn't have that you wouldn't have execution being played out and you get back behind in the possession battles or first half you just couldn't figure things out out of the gate second half they'd become roaring back but again you know in arena football you can't really you can't really sacrifice too much of a lead comebacks can happen but like you don't want to sink yourself too early too you know you do want to be able to keep yourself in striking distance so you know, this year, I think a lot of the question comes down to, you know, who are they, who is going to lead this offense to keep them on schedule and keep them upset? That defense that, you know, added pieces back and is getting healthy can help anchor them for some for wins this year. You know, I think what's under another that's thing that's understated from last year, Brandon Fuentes getting getting knocked out for the season early on, I think really affected some of the prospects. You know, Josh Jenkins was fantastic last year. But him being the only, him being the so, really the main defensive secondary threat and not having someone on the opposite side, I think hurt them. So having Fuentes and Jenkins anchoring those two sides, you know, that's going to be huge. I think defensively they'll take strides. Their key this season, though, really is going to come down to can they stay on schedule and can they score on a consistent basis? They have all this, you know, as we've stressed and have I think beaten to death on this show. They have all this, all of these specialty player talents that they have brought. And I, I, I got to give the Preds credit. You know, Herky Walls has a great roster in front of him that has tons of potential, but they have to execute. If, the only way they're going to take that step and be a massive threat in this league, because they have that potential to me, you know, they have that potential based on what's on paper. The only way they're going to take that step is if they can build from last year with what Coach Higgins couldn't and be consistently dominant in all phases and avoid mental errors. They can win games. They they have a potential to be a dark horse to run for that championship weekend, but they have to be consistent out of the gate, and they have to be able to finish when needed all four quarters, not just in halves. That's what sticks out to me this year that they have to do. We know, like everyone from our preseason, pre-camp power rankings, uh, a lot of people – question that me and yours me and yours fandom for the orlando predators is you know a little bit too above 
you know, normal expectancy because we said that they have the best receiving core. When you look at the talent, they have number one starters all up and down that receiving core. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, some of those players might get released because of how this, the game is and the roster size. The question that we always say about any organization, any team, is the term that everyone says. Defense wins championships. Offense gets you there. One thing about Orlando last year, their defense showed up in a lot of games. Their offense didn't. And when their offense did, their defense didn't. They never had mm-hmm. consistent games where both both sides of the football were going in. And one thing that Orlando didn't have an issue with last year was their special teams. They were one yeah. of the best teams in the NAL last year in special teams. They had uh, Daniel Justino, who is now with the Sharks, who was a good kicker. You had Brandon Fuentes back there. You had Joshua Jenkins back there. You also had Clarence Williams back there doing return to kicks. So you had you had a specialist. You, there was their. They were, I think, if I had the st- if I had the stats, I think they were number two in the league last year in deuces. That's crucial in the game. One thing you look at the Orlando Predators besides from that last year was the inconsistency of putting a complete game together. They started great in the first half. No show in the second half. No show in the first half. Came back in the second half. It was it was so. <laughs> in the words of Zach Kylan last year, it's so aggravating that they have all this talent and they just only show up for a half they, for like they a four were... week period. They were easily the most frustrating team last year to watch because of what was available on both sides. And again, Brandon Fuentes, again, he got knocked out, got knocked out way early in the season. So that's an all NAL talent right there that you don't have at your disposal in the secondary and was a specialty player, you know, for them that keep that in mind. But actually, no, he was a two way. I take that back because he was doing receiving work for them early going for the season. It's just. Even with him gone, they they had you know possibilities of winning more games and sneaking into the playoffs. My in my opinion, if they just put a bit more of some things together, I mean that I can think of the second or I can think of the, their one loss to the Gunslingers as one that I think is very much a frustrating loss, one that they could have had back. Um, I think both their games against the Sharks, you can look at and say again if they put four quarters together, you know one of I mean one of the two matchups they were. They, they roared right back. They just needed a few possessions to go their way, and they could have walked out. They could have walked out of Jacksonville with a win. Mm-hmm. You, you just have to put full games together. That, that's the thing, you know. And I really think this year they have that shot. Herky Walls could make a big impact right now. And really, I think if you look at Orlando in terms of just like fan base, you know, this is a team. This is a fan base in Orlando that's been. We saw last year came back even more so in full force. You know, imagine if this is a winning team, you know, that's going to be a rowdy place in the jungle again. If you can get a winning record, you know, even in losses, they showed up. But like, if you can get a winning record again, like you did two years ago, you start churning wins, you start showing that you indeed are executing like you should. And that that roster turns out to be what we think it is on paper. That's going to be a great atmosphere. And I, I really do believe that they are just one step away possibly it really i think it comes down a lot to who is behind center you know jack sheehan i think is going to tie this all together you know if he puts together some of his performance from what he had in the ifl last year in green bay then this could be a dark horse to run to make at least a case for the playoff push and a case for at least getting a championship bid dark horse though i still favor of course san antonio and albany in this case but all the skill position players and the decent and the solid front three on both sides of the ball that Orlando has, it's really imposing if Sheehan comes out and balls right out of the gate. Well, speaking of the, uh, the atmosphere in Amway Arena, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening on podcast platform, thank you, because we know people listen to us on our podcast platform. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Uh, remember, season tickets are on sale now. Um orlandopredators.com there's nothing better than an orlando's predators home game visit orlandopredators.com for more details or Ticketmaster. you know i think one thing while we're talking about just kind of things for this year with some returning players so i want to see a few of these guys that maybe weren't as common with iron man for orlando take steps this season 
So for example, uh, you know, one, one person I am watching for that I wanted, I was really surprised didn't have as much of an impact as you see, we got some roster pieces here from the website brought up. Um, I was really shocked that Lonnie outlaw wasn't as involved as much last year and credit the QB position was kind of all over the place, but dude, we saw him two seasons ago in Columbus, you know, he can be a number one threat for that size, you know? And I think he was also kind of getting adjusted to his, to his position in the linebacking core, you know, him being, him being uh, more the uh, Jack, being the Jack linebacker at that case last season. So, you know, I think if, I think if he takes another step in that regard, and if you can get him more targets, he really should get more targets. You know, that's someone I think could really excel. Larry Beavers, I thought, did a great job last year. You know, and you see like other guys, like they brought Pinchinola back. You know, dude was an underrated star for them two years prior when they went to the playoffs as well. You know, I mean, they got Clarence Williams again, who I thought very much went under the radar and deserved a lot more praise for his performances. I mean, there's just endless talent. Like Jared Dangerfield's on this roster. I mean, I could keep going on. You and I could keep going on for all these people, and they're going to have to trim that down. You know, it'll be an iron sharpens iron type of training camp for them. But, dude, they really could be the threatening team if they just – as long as she in plays, they could, they're going to make every week, at least to me, entertaining. Well, you're forgetting about one of the best receivers on the roster, um, Rob Jones. That too. And that was a, that was a, that's another one that sneaks under the radar. They have so much receiving talent on this roster. That they're gonna have to pick through but like i'm just i i really i really am gushing at like how they could be that dark horse team yeah uh you look at the team overall there's a couple players and for me daquan murray and freddie booth are key components in this whole masterpiece uh, those two individuals were a freaking beast last year booth was leading in sacks last year until he was knocked out with injury that man Full season of work, he'll also be a threat again right in the middle. Dude and was also, getting back there. And also you got Desmond Maxwell and you got Kyle Alfred, uh, two uh, fullbacks last Mac. Um, no, yeah, Jacks, uh, linebackers. Oh, wait a minute. Yes. No. Okay. Let me, let's, let's keep going. <laughs> Jim correcting himself. Maybe he's wrong or right. I don't know. One of our Lord listeners will message us when this podcast releases. Um, to, um, on lovely Friday. We'll find out pretty soon. <laughs> or <laughs> I'll find out pretty soon. I'll get the notification. Uh, but if you look at the roster, uh, you see they brought in Jeff Legray in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, well, on the here, it says John. His, his, he goes by Jack. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, John, Jack. And there's another name. We'll click more clarification with that. Orlando Predators fans, you might have a special episode uh, again this weekend or later today. So FYI. Uh, dropping, uh, you get two doses of your predators. Uh, but the key component, I look at the, this roster, and I look at Brandon Fuentes coming back, and also I look at Joshua Jenkins coming back. And then you're gonna look at one of the receivers, either you, either Shatola or Shinola or Rob Jones is gonna be your third DB. They have a solid roster. Do they have the best overall roster in the league? Probably not. Do they have the best receiving core in the league? From me, from you, yes. Mason had him, I think, at second, I think, in the power rankings. I, mean, I think you, core. you make a, it's a solid case for them. You know, I've heard others too. Like I said, Albany is definitely in that mix as well. I mean, San Antonio absolutely is in that mix. But like, again, you have so many high, like, at least either high, uh, quality veterans or like stars from the league that are on this one or arena stars from the AFL days. Like it's kind of hard not to put them at the top just for how much they can mm-hmm. choose to pick for talent wise, you know? And again, some of these guys, like, like I said, Lonnie outlaw, he had his, he got his iron man stick, uh, his iron man like play last year yeah. is for his first year with that underway. So like now he gets to have a second year build on that. And I hope again, that dude, for how tall he is, should be getting targets almost every other play. Okay. Jump ball city for him. Like, we know that. You should be throwing his way if he is one-on-one anytime you see it. Agreed. And one thing about Lonnie Outlaw, he can beat you on the field, and he can beat you in the night in the comedy zone. <laughs> dude, is, dude <laughs> that, is, that man is one of the funniest men in, in the NAL. <laughs> uh, Hands down. And to the Orlando Predators fans, I know it's an arch rival or because of the jungle, go watch the Columbus documentary. 
uh, inside the lines, you will know why we say he can beat you on the field and in the comedy room. Um, <laughs> the the guy is he he's a great character. We had him on the show last year or two years ago. Last year, last year, no, yeah, last preseason year last year. Um, he's he's such a great a great dude and genuine dude. And I actually talked to him when he was in Jacksonville, was playing with Columbus. Uh, guys always with a smile on their face, and that's one thing we like about Lonnie Outlaw. Again. He, he trials and tribulations for him. He played in uh, Philly, then mm-hmm. he came down to Columbus, and now in Orlando. He's played with some good quarterbacks in this league. And last year, I think the reason why he wasn't targeted a lot last year is the inconsistency that was the quarterback room in Orlando. Yeah, I, I we need to get him back on mm-hmm. uh, later this season. But yeah, I do think, like I said, if they if if Jack if Jack Sheehan comes out and does anything like he did with his IFL numbers. Um, which we under, which we underestimate. I, I think we under, I underestimated my QB rankings, and I think maybe he might be the surprise guy. But uh, you know, just any consistent floor to get the ball to these guys to where they can take advantage of their height or speed. You know, they'll be they'll be in every game this year. I have no doubt about it. Um, yeah, without a doubt. So, Herky Walls has a good roster set up. Um, it's just really going to come down to that to that position and. You know, like, just playing all four quarters. All four quarters. I've said this before um, in multiple shows, and I'll say it next week for the Carolina show, and I'll say it with Coach Manos in a couple of weeks. You can have the best dang roster in the game. If you cannot execute, I don't care who you have on your roster, you're going to lose no matter who you're going to play. I've seen some of the best teams in NFL history with the most stacked rosters get demolished by a, a team that, you know, doesn't even pay players. You look at Major <laughs> League Baseball, happens all the time. The New York Yankees have, well, I don't think they're the highest payroll now. I think it's San Diego or Dodgers. The York, historically, the Yankees have always been a team that spent outrageous on the roster. And they consistently are getting beat in the first round of the playoffs by Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. who has – 10 times like the, the payroll for the, 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 you know, the Yankees is 10 times more than the, in the Rays, but they found a way. It doesn't matter who you have on your team. Uh, like, right. Well, like we said, Orlando has the best, could have the best receiving core. The quarterback room is a question mark. Does Jack, yeah. uh, does Jack Sheehan step come up and is just like Cato. Is he better than Cato? I've seen him some highlight films with him over in the IFL last year. He has the capability of being better than the quarterback situation last year. And, of course, uh, with Legay, uh, Legay, is it Legay? Jeff Legay? Jeff Legay. Mm-hmm. Uh, with his experience with Allen, New Jersey, uh, Orlando has question marks like every team. It's the execution. I don't know. I, like I said, I don't care how much money you spend towards your teams. Then build up your roster. If you can't execute, that two yard, two yard between the line scrimmage, that one yard on the offensive side, one yard defensive side, you can't win that two yard battle. You're going to lose a lot of football games, no matter what type of receiving cords you had, or who's who's your quarterback. And I, we get a lot of hate from players, not my players, but a lot of hate from fans saying that we we favor too many teams sometimes. Jim, Jim's too big of a Sharks fan. Sorry, I'm season ticket holder. <laughs> Um, diehard fan. Never, I think I've missed like two games in my whole life with the Sharks. Um, but when we talk good about San Antonio, we're labeled San Antonio fans. Or we talk good about Orlando. It's like there's certain, it's, <laughs> there's certain it, groups on each team that we love. It's hard to balance. I mean, I'll be honest. This episode, you'll probably you, and I think throughout this off season, you might. I'm surprised no one's come up to us and said, "Are you guys favoring the uh, Orlando Predators this year?" So, hey, I don't know. But look, I mean. Maybe we're maybe this is more pressure to perform because we really do, really do think that they there is something here, you know, yeah. and I would like I, it could go either way, but I I do I do think I would not be shocked if come like quarter season, mm-hmm. you know, they're at least they at least can be like above like a three one team or something like that, you know, and you're going okay. This is not <laughs> this is this is not a bold prediction or a bold statement. Orlando has the roster where they could be three and one. But they also have a roster that they can be one and three and or four, zero and four, because you get the question marks at that the most important position you're in a game, which is the quarterback. If they have an answer at quarterback, then yeah, they could be that three and one team. 
and we we could we like we said about Jacksonville last last week, and when our conversation with uh, Gibson is like he really believes that the D line and the defense of Jacksonville is going to be one of the, the one of the elite defenses in the league, and he knows that he's going to get bashed because of the quarterback position, and he doesn't care. There's teams out there, especially in Albany, they have the weapons, they have the mentality, they have the culture. It's the Albany way. You look at Carolina. They've been there. They've done that. Now it's like, can we get there again and get over the hump and actually win it? And Orlando, last year was such a bitter taste for that fan base. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying – I'm trying to get my Sharks fandom out of it. It's kind of bittersweet. Uh, but as a non-Shark fan right here, but as an Orlando, that fan base has been through so much stuff over the last 20-some-odd years with, with championships and domination – to get into the NAL and having the the first year was a oh my god it was I, I'm not good I, I'm glad we're past that by the way yeah. like that that it's so nice it's refreshing to have Orlando be a consistent presence in the exactly. NAL now and like a state to us a, to a stable franchise you know we're we're past the some of the 2019 or post 2019 talk and we have and you know John Cheney and company Nate Starling they have put together a really good organization out there that that community is proud of and is glad to be coming back to. So really glad to have that, have them back and building this, you know, it's building up every year. They've gotten more and more exposure and fan base, I think churning over again and again from what we've been told. And it, that's awesome to hear again, you know? their last home game. I think they had over 8,000 fans there. Yeah. That's they stacked exciting. that place. It, it was, it was really sweet. I actually, I think it was, uh, it was easily was it is either the largest or at least one of the top it was the largest of the season largest i mean that's that's nuts that's great to hear you know because that's what orlando because i mean orlando used to be one of the i mean as a franchise it is one of the most in terms of arena football franchises that you know it's one of those that is one of the longest running as a brand so you know just having that consistent building you know Mm mm-hmm yeah, it was the brand at one point. That's how good that pro, that franchise is, and that having that eight thousand fans there last seat, last home game against Jacksonville, really, really felt like that's the Orlando of old. And if they can get that mentality and that type of atmosphere back at Amway, it'd be epic. And oh, you course. know how easy it is to get there, ladies and gentlemen. OrlandoPredatorsFootball.com or yeah. Ticketmaster tickets are on sale now. Yeah, go. I say, yeah, season tickets, uh, single game tickets are coming up really shortly. So you'll be watching out for those too if you aren't able to get the season pass. But seriously, go check out a game. They, 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 I've, I would, the day I can get back out to Orlando, that is like my first priority because that the jungle looks like a ton of fun every time I've talked to people or have watched, you know. I've had good times there. (laughs) Just good. I've had good good, good answer. Yeah, I've had good times there. Um, Pocketbook, not so much, but yeah, if I get uh, it's a, okay. it, it, it's a beautiful arena. Yeah, I, I go down there a lot for other events in that arena, um, and people, the city knows how to put on a good show, and they're just desperate for a winner because there's a current another football league right now being played in that city that they're completely embarrassment of that city, and I think Predators they put some wins on there. Yeah, that those fans <laughs> will translate and go to Amway. And plus, it's that would this, be that would be ideal. Uh, be rooting for an 04 team right now in Orlando is definitely not, I think, on <laughs> no. people's minds. <laughs> so. and, and yes, I did take a shot at that team um, down there, um, but not the Predators, the other one. Um, it's okay. Pre- I, I, the Preds I, I, are coming, guys. They they should be they should be a solid solid team. We thinks so. Now now, now Orlando fans or football fans they have an argument. They might have the best spring football team ever. They just couldn't get the season complete. Mm-hmm. The the Apollos True. had a dang good team, but anyways, Balls that's a good. That was a good team. Uh, that's a different. But you know what? We're talking about the Predators. We already did the tickets. You know what to do. Um, what games are you guys going to? Schedule let's, time, people. Schedule time. What's? Let's. Uh, okay. Technical difficulties again. Jim with his technical diff. I gotta go find the screen. My bad. Please hold. Dee, 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 um, dee. <laughs> oh, here we go. Hey. All right. 
And the schedule is 12 game, as you know. San Antonio and the Orlando Predators are the only two teams with 12 games, as the rest of the league are playing uh, 14 home games. Uh, Predators have no uh, set teams to play three uh, three games with. They play everyone twice, one home and one away. Zach? Yeah, so as Jim had mentioned there, so no rubber matches being played here. It's either uh, win all or split for all of these setups here for the Orlando Predators. Uh, a few things to keep in mind with this schedule. Uh, you might notice that one of the particular stretches I think you're going to keep an eye on is that week 10 through week 14 setup later in the season. Uh, you got one bye week in there, but it is the Preds long is the Preds long homestand that they're going to be taking there. And it's going to be most likely against uh well, I mean, we talk about the muck, of course, but like I think this is a good chance that you're going to be playing against the tops in the league, and you'll have a lot of playoff implications for the Predators figured out by then. I mean, you're leading off that homestand credit home, so the jungle's going to have to be rowdy here, but you got the Albany Empire coming to town. You then have the Cobras, of course, with McCollum and company coming out there. You know, the Gunslingers, who, you know, are going to be, to us, considered one of the two locks that we think will be in the playoffs. And then they finish with the Sharks, which, trust me, that that's that rivalry is going to be loud, and you're going to have some some Sharks fans traveling for that one, most likely on that uh, that little bus tour they do going to some of the places. So uh, that homestand to me is going to be crucial. Yeah, Jim, I see you. I see you. I, I can see you going out there. It's only an hour and 20 minutes from where I live, so it's a little quick shot. Again, the arena, Amway Arena is a beautiful venue. I love the arena. It's a good venue for uh, arena football. And you look at the schedule again. Um, one of the, it's balanced, but at the same time, I know there's a lot of uh, Predator fans are like, man, we're away for four weeks again for, from home. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. San Antonio's away for, what, seven weeks from their Well, home? I mean... So, yeah, that, I think that stinks because they get that home stretch 10 through 14, but then they end the season with, you know, credit, there's a bye, but you have to end on a two-game away away stint and do some travel. So, you know, in theory, if you are close to locking up a playoff spot, you are, you know, you kind of hope that you are you get a chance to maybe have a chance at a, at a home game. Um, otherwise, your end of your homestand will be week 14. So, basically in june late may you'll be saying sayonara to the jungle really quick so that's unfortunate but you know you're the hope is is that that homestand late in the year you're in striking distance when you come up into week 10 and then you can win some of those crucial games to help you push yourself over the hump to get into those four playoff seedings and that's a, a big part but especially with that stretch you're playing five of seven games at home in between well, there's three. You're, well, luckily you get five bye weeks, but in that three back half, three bye weeks, starting with week eight, going to uh, week fifteen, you, you got you know Warbirds, Empire, Cobras, Slingers, and Sharks at home. If you want to be a playoff team, you mm-hmm. have to, my opinion, you have to win three of those five at home, uh, and find a way to steal one in Jacksonville, probably, or steal one up in Albany. Or just cap, cap off winning both Mustangs and the Warbirds at the end of the year. Because uh, right there is five wins. Uh, what, if you go three and two at home and, and you take two of those games out west, there's five wins right there. Find a way in your 12-week schedule. Find a way to get a win either in you know at home week one against Fayetteville or week six against Carolina. Because one thing that we've noticed in the NAL for the last – five years of existence is 500 football, ladies and gentlemen, gets you in the postseason. Yeah. Six and six gets you in seven and seven gets you in. And that for them, I think for the, the predators, you find a way to manage that. For instance, be, this is just me being hypothetical. They beat the Mustangs. They're one and oh, okay. They'll go on to like, they'll lose to the empire and the sharks. Okay. They're one and two. And they're home against the Cobras. Let's say they get a tough loss to the Cobras. So right there, mm-hmm. you're one and three. It's very that's that's not being you know I'm not discrediting the, the Predators. There's a good chance that could happen. It's also a, a, a good chance that it could be the opposite. They could go four and zero. It's a, yeah. But 
then you can go back home. He's like, you get that bye week, you get regrouped. Because I could see that, I could see the mentality where they can lose in the Empire and you get that bye week. So, okay, let's get ready and, you know, get ready for the Sharks and lose again. You got, oh, that, there's your slump right there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, get the, you know, you got the win against Fayetteville. Then you come back home, you get the win against Warbirds. You know, you go out west to San Antonio, you know, stumble. Then you win maybe one game against the, uh, you get probably one game against either the, the Empire or the Cobras. Or in or you take three of the four of that of that four game home stretch and all of a sudden you're right there at five and four with two yeah. games left in the season and or three games left in the season and you can beat the Mustangs and Warbirds a cap off the year. You're looking at six and six, possibly seven and five. And seven to five based on winning percentage could get you to a three seed probably. Uh, so there's some chances of a team for you for them to get there. But again, like you stated Week 14 through week 10 is going to be a crucial stretch of games uh, for the Orlando Predators this mm-hmm. season for them to even be a playoff team or not. It's, it's I, think one, games. I think one set you'll want to watch out of the two set games that they're playing each one. I just noticed this, and I think it is worth pointing out because of how we're viewing the middle section of the of the teams in terms of like power ranking, if we're wanting to call it that. Um, keep an eye on the fact that they play the Cobras at home twice which there's no split there. You aren't going to Carolina. You get to host care. You get to host the Cobras on your terms in the jungle both times. So that's a positive for your schedule for a team that I think is going to be crucial in those matchups to me, will be crucial deciding if they're going to get a playoff seating because Carolina is in that same bracket of teams as like the sharks, as the predators, you know, mm-hmm. as to us, like basically the rest of the, of the muck, really the, really the other, the other five teams in this league, we kind of have put in the middle because we aren't hundred percent, but they both have cases. So, you know, to me, having any advantage in that middle section and saying you have two home games, you know, which in arena, you having that home crowd behind you is so damn important, even more so than in the outdoor game, in my opinion. So, I think you got you got to take that. You know that those are opportunities right there. Getting those two, if you can sweep those games against Carolina and keep mm-hmm. up the pace in the in the in the the entire league, um, you have a tiebreaker in your feather in your cap, which basically gives you, even if you tie with Carolina, keep this in mind. I always consider tiebreakers as an extra game on your on your rank, at least on terms of who's ahead in the in the section of the conference or, in this case, the league. So. That two game, say like a game lead or a tie becomes a game lead, you know, and vice versa. You stack that. So you want to win those. To me, those games I think are crucial. If you win the Cobra, the Cobra matchups and you can kind of maybe not say split the entire schedule, but like say you do split most of your schedule or you win series, you know, that could be crucial in the long run for you either making or breaking a third or fourth seed uh, coming towards Jan towards July. Mm-hmm. Again, like, they're it's very unique their schedule. They got two home games against Carolina. I think they're the only team that actually plays them on at home uh, this year. And everyone, everyone else is a pretty balanced schedule. Of course, you're gonna have the crucial series, like we've said about San Antonio, like we said about Jacksonville. Um, their crucial series are against each other, basically against San Antonio, Jacksonville. Are they who are those the top echelon teams in the league? Uh, for Orlando. What's that crucial series? If Orlando wants to be that four seed in the NAL, they have to win that head-to-head matchup against Carolina. And they might have to win that head-to-head matchup against the uh, the Warbirds or the Mustangs, one of those two teams, mm-hmm. uh, to be uh, considered a four seed. Because I think me and you both can agree that Orlando is going to spend a lot of their time in the season, especially I think early in the season, if they, they stumble out of the gate, they're going to be in the muck for most of the season. And yeah. from then week 10 to week 14, that's if they want to be the team that separates and gets into the battle for the top four, or they just stay idle and stay in the muck all year. And that's nothing that's not going to be an issue because we've seen Orlando in the past be in the muck all freaking year. And then the final two weeks, decide, oh, well, well let's win back-to-back games and be the third seed. It, it's because oh, yeah. it's, it's, there's only seven teams in this league. There's going to be a team, uh, in words of a coach, I'm not going to mention, uh, there is going to be a team that is going to be in the cellar slash muck all year that gets into the playoffs and don't belong in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's from a coach. And no, it's not the one from Jacksonville. 
It's just eliminating that guy. Um, but yeah, you're going to have uh, you're going to have like we've seen the Pat. We've seen Carolina do it a couple years ago. We've seen Orlando do it a couple years ago. Um, honestly, you could say you saw Jacksonville do it last year, where they were just god awful for most of the year and just caught on fire in the right time and put a string of wins together, and they finally get in. Orlando, there's how their schedule is developed and how how their schedule is made up. Again, that week ten to week fifteen time frame is pivotal. If they find a way to go three and two in that five game stretch, four and one, hey, they're you can say they're the four seed. Honestly, I think like you mentioned, I think they're going to be a team that's going to be competing with Carolina most of the way uh, for that three four five spot in the mm-hmm. in the NAL. Um, I think that especially having him them home twice is going to be pivotal for them to uh, be either a team that enters the playoffs or be a team that is um, on outside looking in. And it come again, it's going to come down to that four or five week period right there. But speaking of that, um, we're going to do something a little unique again. And people are wondering, yeah. it's like, we have an interview coming. Probably maybe stay tuned. It's an extra video. Um, probably later tonight. If you're on YouTube right now, probably maybe Saturday morning. We'll let you know. Um, but it will be an Orlando player, Orlando Predator player. There I go again. Pa, 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 pa. <laughs> Orlando Predator player. There we go. Uh, so we're going to do another little fun. We might start doing this for a couple of – three more teams. Got Carolina next week, and then we got Orlando uh, – the Albany Empire. Um, bowl takes. Orlando Predators. Bowl take for 2023. Uh, Zach. Mm-hmm. Bold take for 2023. Um, you know what? I think that Clarence Williams might, and this is where I'm going to go with, I think Clarence Williams leads the league in receiving yards this year. That's my. That's a bold one. And that's only because I think you have a more, think about last year. Last year he came on the scene and he was, at the end of the year, one of the top, one of the top performers every week in the league. Mm-hmm. I think with a consistent quarterback behind center all year in Jack Sheehan. I think that, and I know some, I hear some Albany fans going, with Darius Prince existing, I'm going, even with that, I think there's a chance. Man was on another level at the end of the season, was flying under the radar. Watch out for him. You know, that also, that does depend on Lonnie Outlaw if they do target him more, but I still think Williams was building something there. There's a reason they brought him back. And I think he has a good chance. That's my hot take. I think he can finish the year leading in reception yards in the NAL. Well, I hear someone in the distance about you saying Clarence Williams. I think it's an Albany fan. Let's see. How dare you? <laughs> you know, look, I mean, th- these are why you got hot takes, man. Uh, Doesn't mean it's going to happen, but I think it can. I my hot chance. My hot take is actually going to be pretty cool. I think the Orlando – I think Orlando's the only team that can actually do this because of the – again, I've given the credit to where credit's due to this building. I think Orlando sets the record again in 2023 for attendance. I think they'll be the first team to crack 10,000 in attendance this year. Mm. Now, that would be – that would be a massive win for the NAL if they could get that. That is uh, – that would be pretty sweet. But I, I think I think that ha- I think that I can see that happening as long as they're a winning team by the end of the season. I think that last home game could be that as long as they are right as long as they are winning consistently and are looking competent towards the end of the year. Yeah. I, they were close. They that last home last home game last year. They I think was like eight thousand three hundred some fans. Um, do you think another what twelve hundred and there you are at ten? Um, uh, yeah, it was about. 1700 but like still like again that's momentum Me doing math know? not so good <laughs> <laughs> that's momentum though so yeah yeah, yeah. i mean not crazy i think that that could happen yeah. i mean so that's my bold take i think they're i think the fan base is starting to get rejuvenized and like the saying of all sayings for every football baseball basketball whatever sport winning cures all evils absolutely all um, you can look at the NFL, your favorite teams have a lot of wounds, a lot of holes, but man, they still find ways to win, but it cures it. 
until the off season hits and you realize realize you're like, oh dear God, we need to find a way to fix these in um, in, in free agency or in the draft. So a lot of the fans know how that feels. And again, um, Orlando last home game was very impressive. Eight eight three hundred uh, fans, um, biggest in the league. Uh, Jacksonville averages has the highest attendance by average, um, but having that many people at home, well, it's very impressive last year. That's one of the highlights last year for Orlando. And it's just, it's disappointing that they had that many fans in the last home game and the product on the field wasn't considered, in my opinion, Orlando mm-hmm. Predator football. If it's Yeah, I'm, I really think that there's a chance there, man. Like I said, I, I, I love seeing the growth of the Orlando market every year so far. Okay. And if they can bring back the Orlando Predator brand from back from the 90s, early 2000s the jungle can get pretty loud and i think they have the ability to do so you know what i saw that i was very happy to see is they they hinted at the jerseys this year for the preds Mm -hmm. they're bringing back the claw marks back to the numbers i'm telling you i missed that last year the jerseys last year for the preds were solid Mm -hmm. but i really liked the 2021 look because they had some about the claw marks just make it that much cooler to me i don't get it hey uh, what i've noticed is every team in the league is Kind of teasing New Jersey's, but won't officially say they're getting New Jersey's, but yeah, it's got teasing. Yeah. It's got to be coming soon. I mean, yeah, just, Warbirds, the Mustangs. I mean, San Antonio's kind of. San Antonio's got a, yeah, they're going to have a new, newer look from what it sounds like, too. Orlando's teased it. I think mm-hmm. Albany's teased it. Um, I think our, I don't know. This is just a hunch to me. I have, I have no connections, and this might start a barn fire of why, Jim, are you doing this? Um, but how Albany's been doing their stuff this year and how they're bringing Albany back, it would be so nice if they do a retro night for a game and they wear Could old Albany Firebird clothes. Yeah, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Because Eddie Brown's there, so why the heck not? Let's do an Albany Firebird, um, you know, throwback night. That'd be pretty. Their jerseys back in the day were pretty fire, in my opinion. I I, like I would love to see that because I'll tell you one thing with with Albany. I really like that they – I was really thought it was cool they brought the banners back to kind of, you know, just kind of signify, like, hey, like, this is an – like, Albany's arena history is important. So that was unique. I would love if they got the chance to do a throwback like that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think that's – it's not too crazy. It really just depends. Can they pull it off, and is it, fi- is it feasible for them? Because, yeah, I mean, sure. you know, we talk about this. This isn't – the the cost the costs aren't as or the revenues aren't as big in this section but if they can do it it'd be pretty sweet i mean you know, i would Antonio. love i would love Just an all uniform night hey baby can they get it yeah cause i can see right i can see right now imagine you get those those orange jerseys you know the firebird like the bird logo on the side again or or the flaming white helmets with the with the bird wings like from the early 90s when they first started out before they switch over to more of the cartoony like emblem or mascot, like one of those two, you know, when Brown played, I could see that. That'd be fr- freaking sweet. And Darius Prince running that, that as well, you know. Oh, that, you said cartoony. They're not as bad as the throwback Tampa Bay Storm jerseys. Well, well I mean, th- those are Zubas. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, was, that was really going back. Those are Zubas as well. I mean, Predators did that too in the early days as well. They had the Zuba Knights like that. True. So. Uh, it, it, we've been asked if there's any jerseys being released by anybody. Uh, we know West Texas is going to debut theirs. Uh, San Antonio's teased it. Orlando's been teasing it. Yeah. Um, so eventually something. Again, Orlando, uh, Albany stuff, that's just me. That I think it would be pretty cool because uh, mm-hmm. I even asked a couple of guys, Jack, we need to do a Sharks throwback night for old jerseys, and they were like, we wear the same jerseys for the original. <laughs> yeah. Look back, go, go. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. We we still wear the same hat helmet, same red helmet, same right. red on black. I say um, they they haven't changed too much, but no, they need to. I will. I'm a, I'm a proponent for bringing the red helmet in more consistently. I like the white white helmets, but I like the red ones too, man. I think those those have some charm. Like just one like one game, you know, like one game. I think a year. we I, we might I might have to ask Skyler or a couple of my shark buddies. I think we had an all black helmet at one point. With oh, the red dude, that would be that would be sweet. Can you imagine that? That would be it, a really sweet look with some of the opponents you play. It was all black, and the the shark was actually highlighted in red. Not the whole mm. not the whole shark logo was red. It was just a highlight, like a neon light type of red. 
I want to know if that if that was a helmet or was that was just a proposed helmet. I was like, man, I need this in my life. Yeah, there's a a couple helmets. I'm like, bro, like I saw a helmet for the uh, Sharks or the Jaguars are going to do for uh, this past season, but unfortunately, they didn't get approval from Nike or from the NFL in time, um, Ah. which was an all white helmet, and the logo for the shark for the Jaguars was all teal, teal highlights. (laughs) It was an. I was like, "Oh, this is awesome!" Because they're going to try and do some all white uh, game, and the and the NFL said, "No, can't do it." It was too late in those. Didn't realize in the National Football League, ladies and gentlemen, you got to put requests in for jerseys and helmet styles in almost five weeks in advance. Did not know that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bit. You got to be ready and prepared, you know. So when they ask you fans, "Hey, what do you want to wear Saturday?" Vote for it. They don't listen to you. They act like they're listening to you, but they already, they already told the league what they got to wear because they got to put that in <laughs> right, right. five weeks in advance. We all, we all got time for this. <laughs> you yeah, know? They're like, oh, you wanted the veg? Oh, oh we're going to wear all teal. We'll, no, we're not. We'll yes, keep, we are. <laughs> we'll keep that noted for next time, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but anyways, ladies and gentlemen, uh, stay tuned later tonight or Saturday for extra content for the Orlando Predators a player interview. It would either be me and Zach or just myself. Uh, Zach is currently in the process of a big move. So next week will be different. But again, we won't be 900 miles apart. We'll be 1,400 miles apart. But then with technology and StreamYard, it seems like we're literally separated by one inch, depending on separation. Isn't it a beautiful thing? (laughs) Isn't that a beautiful thing? We can do this show from from both ends of the country and still – like. That that I I I under we under I, we underappreciate this this aspect of the podcasting side of not not a little bit I think is just mm-hmm. we can do this from our living rooms now and not, you know it would be great someday soon someday that you and I get one in person because we will have that happen sometime yeah. but it'll be at the championship game in Jacksonville. <laughs> Hey, there you go. <laughs> um, he said Jacksonville. He, he did the thing. It. He did it. He did it again. You know what? People up in Albany would be like, you just made the list. <laughs> I'm glad you clicked it because I was about to click it on. <laughs> but anyways, ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 88 in the jungle of the Orlando Predators. Stick around later tonight or tomorrow morning for more NAL action coverage of the Orlando Predators preseason. 2023. I'm all discombobulated. That's Zach Callum. <laughs> I'm Jim Mernier. Am I Jim Mernier? Dang it. Did I read the teleprompter wrong? You <laughs> but, be, man. <laughs> but anyways, ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 88 Into the Jungle, Orlando Predators. We'll see you guys next week. Covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier.